headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios, it's The Ramsey Show, where America hangs out to have a conversation about your life and your money. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Jade Warshaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. As we answer your questions, you jump in. The phone number is 888 As a reminder, if you love this show, leave a five-star review. Mama said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So we appreciate you doing that. And uh, those of you that listen on podcasts or YouTube, subscribe and share the show. And if you're listening on uh, talk radio, like millions of you do, spread the word. That's also sharing. Just say, hey, here's where I listen. Here's the talk radio station to listen to. Here's when they're on. Be sure and do that. And a reminder, this show is going to become broadcast as well, uh, one hour a day of it uh, at 5 o'clock on a TBN beginning next week. Woohoo! And so uh, you'll be able to pick it up there as well. So we're, ch- we're just like uh, everywhere. That's what we do. So help us spread the word, share it, rate it, subscribe it. All that kind of stuff helps. And um, if you want to pay us back for having helped you, that's how you do it. You tell people about it. That's how the show grows. We don't have um, $300 million to spend on advertising like SoFi. There won't be a stadium named after us. Um, or nerd wallet we're not going to spend the money they spend just to be famous we're going to be famous by helping you and you spreading the word so thank you for that thank you thank you thank you you're what got us here and you're what'll take us there so that's what we exist for jake is with us to start off this hour jake's in tampa florida hi jake how are you hi dave how are you better than i deserve what's up me too so i've got a question me and my fiance are getting married in may yay you know we're yeah, thank How you. How old are you? We're combining uh, 22. We're both 22. Very That's cool. Um, so we're combining our um, our assets and our finances and whatnot. And I'm mainly, all my investments are in the S&P 500 and 401k. Mm-hmm. Hers is spread out with like single stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so my idea, my thinking was I wanted to get it into S&P 500, maybe a couple mutual funds and not the single stocks because... You know, she's up right now with them, but, you know, the S&P 500 is something that you can just leave your money in and let it grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much is it in single stocks? About 45 grand. Good. Very good. Good for you. Well, it's great that y'all are talking about this ahead of time. It's very well done. And your play would be better than her play. Agreed. The S&P 500, yeah. uh, an index fund, would be a better play. Um I don't personally use the S&P 500 for my 401k, nor do we recommend it. Um, okay. Instead, uh, we actually pick mutual funds that as a group will outperform the S&P 500. Um, and there are a number of funds that do outperform it. There are a number of funds that don't. So you have to look carefully and get some people in your corner to help you do that. But um, I, we spread our investments across four types in retirement accounts, growth, Growth and income, aggressive growth, and international. Full disclosure, I use an S&P 500 to park money in way beyond having been 100% debt-free, way beyond having a million-dollar net worth, way beyond having uh, my 401ks and IRAs fully funded in the four types I'm talking about. But like when I'm saving up for five years or three years or two years for a piece of real estate, I'll just throw money in there to park it short term. Like a savings account. Well, long-term savings account. I wouldn't do it for two months, but I mean for for a period of time, because I can make more on it than you're going to make in a stupid 
you know, CD or something. So, right. but I don't, yeah. I don't use it for retirement around here. We've always said be across those four types. So then we could move her money into some of those four types. Yeah. And growth, then maybe my money I would as well. be, I would be 20. What we teach is 25% in each growth, growth and income, aggressive growth and international. And the, you know, look at, look for long track records. And if you're pulling up the data on them on the website, it's going to show an S and P overlay on it. It's going to okay. say here, here, this fund, fund XYZ, here's what it's performed for the past 25 years or for past 15 years. And here's what the S and P has done. And if it doesn't beat the S&P, for God's sakes, don't do it. Just do an S&P. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, of course. Jake, what's your wife's take on this when you've talked about it? What's her reaction? Um, she's, I mean, she's ready to do it. She's, um, you know, we've talked a lot about money and, you know, we know each other's finances. We're completely debt-free. Good. She went to college debt-free. I never went to college. We have a pretty decent income, too. What is that? Um, what's your income? About one sixty to one eighty. Wow. I'm in sales, so it goes ups and down. It goes when it's combined, that's what when it's combined, that's what it'll be. Yeah, that's wow. yeah, when it's combined, that's what it'll be. That's You're twenty two years old, hundred percent debt free, you make hundred and eighty K. Y'all are gonna be so freaking rich. Mm-hmm. Way that's to go, that's man. the scary part. Way I'm at I'm adding up the money and I'm like, man. <laughs> No, that's that's not scary. That's a wonderful place to be, Jake. But it's a it's a responsibility. (laughs) You have to be careful and and cautious, and you're wise to do that. So basically, what we're saying is the S and P 500 is what's called passive investing, and there's a whole group of people that believe in that because some mutual funds don't outperform it, and that's fine. It's just I Mm -hmm. I think you can do better, and I but full disclosure, I use both, and so. I'm my portfolio that I'm outlining would have if you're not real careful would have more risk than yours but a lot less than hers and so that's yeah. kind of where we're, we're kind of over on your side of the coin there but just past you a little bit okay and then she's way over there you know in the high risk stuff with the stocks so yeah I'm getting out of the single stocks and I'm going to be in mutual funds preferably across those four that outperform the S&P if not be in the S&P I like it. That's what I would do. That is what I do. And it, it does work. I mean, you can you can look at the data, the uh, the millionaire data that, from the millionaire study that we did. That's uh, We put the white paper on it in the back of the Baby Steps Millionaire's book. So if you want to read the whole study, it's back there. Um, but what we found is, is the typical millionaire, it's, it's doing their 401k. And truthfully, if he just does the S&P, he's easily yeah. going to be there with his He'll income. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. E- easily. Easily. Um, the single stocks just have way too much risk for me. I don't like the risk of it. And the data on people that buy and sell single stocks is they don't they don't outperform. Right. So the rule of thumb with single stocks would be keep it a very, very, very low percentage of your world if you were going to dabble in them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We say 10% max of your net worth. So like if you work at a place and you really believe you, you work for Apple and you really believe it's going to be a great stock, which yeah. it is a great stock, mm-hmm. you know. And you want to buy that as a long term, as a, an employee benefit. And you're going to mm-hmm. buy. You get it, most most places give you 15 percent discount as a employee buying stock. So mm-hmm. you you're just dying to own some Apple stock, and you're an Apple executive. Well, that's fine. Just don't let it be more than 50, more than about 10 percent of your net worth. Because years ago, Jade, I was coaching a lady. It's really sad. She had worked for Procter and Gamble mm-hmm. for um, many, many, many years. Like I don't know, 30 or 40 years. And she'd moved all of her 401k money into Procter Gamble stock, and she was just retiring about the time it went down. Oh, it went crap. down like forty percent. So she t- had like seven hundred thousand that turned into like three hundred thousand. 
or, or four hundred thousand. I mean, it went it went almost in half, and it just oh, that's that that lack of diversification though sucks. left her susceptible to that. That's what it amounts to. This is the Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel. You've heard me talk about Christian Healthcare Ministries, a health cost-sharing ministry, but I want you to hear from one of their members. Abby racked up a lot of doctor bills with a recent pregnancy, but she said CHM shared all of her eligible pregnancy-related medical expenses and their staff was consistently attentive, helpful, and considerate. That's Abby's CHM story, and it could be yours. Learn more and join chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Jade Warshaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. So I just saw a feed, Babylon B popped up in my feed that uh, payday lenders have now set up on the egg aisle. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime the price of eggs is making headlines, you know you're dealing with a wacky economy, but even news about layoffs and on and again, off again, recession, crazy high interest rates. This is a weird time we're in right now, and we're here to give you a plan for your money. So we want you to join us for our Building Wealth live tour as we show you how to build wealth and keep it. George Camel, Rachel Cruz, Jade Warshaw will be in Indianapolis in just a couple of weeks, February the 16th. Then Ken Coleman, Dr. John Deloney, Jade Warshaw, and I will be in Austin on February the 23rd. Next is Building Wealth Salt Lake City, April 24th with George Rachel and Christina Ellis. And finally, we're closing out the tour in Anaheim on May the 2nd. Ken Coleman, Dr. John Deloney, and Christina Ellis. Tickets are only $49 for each of these events. Come out. We would love to have you. These events are exciting. They're fun. Uh, If you're part of the tribe, it's kind of like coming to the pep rally. Yeah, absolutely that. It's you just you just want to come out and just be with other people that are trying to win with money and that Mm -hmm. are you know that are doing weird things, not normal like the crazy people in the culture. And you don't want to be conformed to this world. You want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that's what we're doing. We're going to show you how to win, even in all of this weird, wacky stuff that's going on, and show you how to not panic. Facts are your friends when you got this stuff going on. So go to RamseySolutions.com slash events. Get your tickets. They're only $49 for Indianapolis, Austin, uh, Salt Lake City, and, of course, Anaheim, May the 2nd. So that's our schedule for that particular live event that's going to be running all over the place this spring. Exciting. Angela is with us in Odessa, Texas. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. How are you guys? Better Doing than good. we deserve. What's up? So I just have a quick question. We are 26. The only debt we have is our home mortgage, which sits at 169000 And we currently have about a little over 11000 into cryptocurrency. And our question was, what would be the next step? Would we leave it there or would we take it out and invest that money somewhere else? Well, if I'm you, I am not going to stay invested 
in crypto, the track record has been poo-poo uh, over the long haul. So I would take that money out almost instantly. Are you guys investing in 401ks or IRAs, anything for retirement? Because um, currently my husband is the only one working and he does have a, um, I believe he has a 401k and a Roth, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have he any money set aside for up. savings that's kind of liquid that you can get to? Yes, we do. Okay. How much? Um, I want to say we have about 13000 right now. Okay. So you've got a good solid emergency fund, and yes. then it's time to do some real investing. Crypto is um, gambling. Right. And I think you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't know, do you know that the that the – you know, the last year and a half have been really unkind to crypto. Yes, I remember watching it during COVID, mm-hmm. right, right after we invested, and I remember watching it go really low and then going back up high, and now we're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, you've noticed the news that one of the largest scams in history was perpetrated in crypto? Yes, yes, sir. Makes <laughs> makes Bernie Madoff look like small potatoes, okay? So the... <laughs> The scams are all everywhere around it. The it's an ins, it's an unstable place to put money. Agreed. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So I don't put place I don't put money in places that are unstable. Someday crypto may stabilize, and someday it may have a track record. But until it does, I won't be putting any money in it. And I was saying that back when I had got entire pages of Reddit devoted to hating me and entire pages of uh, Tic Tac hating me um, and everything because I'm telling people not to put money in stupid butt crypto. Come on, Dave. So, uh, but, you know, and now I'm now I'm a genius, you know, but I also told them not to invest their money in Beanie Babies a few years ago and people were <laughs> believing in that too. So it's almost um, like you've lived to see a few things. It's almost over the like, years. it's almost like, yeah, that's how I lost my hair. But yeah, so <laughs> Uh, Joe's in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, long-time listener and first-time caller. Thanks. How can we help? Yeah, so I'm in a bit of a predicament, um, and it involves uh, basically money that I owe to uh, family and friends as well as an upside-down car. But I think uh, what kind of led to this situation kind of goes back a few years Uh, maybe four to five years when uh, I became heavily involved uh, with Forex trading or currency trading um, and eventually got me to a point where I was losing a ton of money, started taking out credit cards um, and funding um, kind of that endeavor that way. And then eventually when I ran out of uh, money out of my credit cards, I would start taking out personal loans. Uh, once I couldn't take out any more unsecured loans, I started taking loans against my car mm. and then eventually ended up um, borrowing uh, from friends and family. And so you sound like an actually, addict. I so- this is, sounds like an addiction. Yeah, it, it was an addiction. Um, and so unfortunately, it got to a breaking point where I had to file for bankruptcy uh, May uh, as of last year. Um, but I did keep um, my secured loans as well as the money I borrowed from uh, my family. And like I went through therapy and all, all that. So it was really a truly, truly a traumatic time for me. And so yeah, I'm sorry. now, yeah. And like now I'm at a point where 
I just really want to, I, I have been actively trying to tackle this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so what do you owe uh, on the car? Yeah, so there are two cars involved. Um, my personal car, I owe 13600 at a rate of 24%. Mm-hmm. And during the time, um, I actually took a loan out, um, and I used my brother's car as collateral for 4700 which is the remaining balance as of today. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what is the $13,600 car worth? That's worth right around, say, like $4,300. Okay. And what do you make? Uh, my net income per month is sixty-five fifty. Okay. And you live in Brooklyn, New York? Yeah. Ouch. Okay. Because you got an expensive yeah. place to live, right? No, no. Luckily, um, my one of my brothers and I, we found a pretty... Uh, inexpensive place to live. So my rent right now is right around 1100 uh, which includes utilities, and that's my share. Mm-hmm. What do you do for a living? Uh, I am in business development and sales for a tech startup here in midtown Manhattan. Okay. If you work more there, does your income change? Um, as of right now, I'm like tapped out with like the number of hours I'm putting in. I'm like, working from like 7.30 in the morning up until like 7.30 in the evening, like Monday through Friday. All right. Here's what I would do if I woke up in your shoes. All right. Are these your only two debts? No, you have the family debt. Yeah, I have my family debt um, totaling $90,000. Okay. Man, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Well, your brother's car concerns me more than yours. Yeah, because you need you need yeah. the you need the stress of not screwing up his life off of your back. Yeah, I, that would bother me more than my own personal car. Does it you? Uh, yes, it yeah. does. It's, it's yeah. actually so, been weighing on me, and they're almost yeah. the same amount. No, no, yeah, and it's a smaller amount. I'm sorry, it's fourteen. So that's easy anyway. So what I would do is you know start doing a really really tight budget. And just attack his debt like a vengeance, knock it out, then attack your car debt and just knock it out. There's not another answer for it. You just got to live on absolutely nothing. And really, in about four or five months, you ought to be able to knock both of these out. If you just live on nothing, you don't do anything anyway but work. So you don't need to go out and party or go out to restaurants. You don't have any money. You got to put it all on this. And so, hey, we're going to help you with part of your healing. We're going to put you through Financial Peace University. Hold on. I'll have have Austin pick up and get you signed up for that. America. Jade Warshaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Open phones here at 888-825-5225. Elizabeth is with us in Minneapolis. Hey, Elizabeth, what's up? Hi. Um, I just have a quick question, maybe a life debate here, honestly. Um, I'm 26 years old. Um, I am a 911 dispatcher, um, and I'm trying to pay off my debt. 
I have maybe a total of 600 in medical bills, and then I have a car payment. Um, I got a new car due to some other issues back in 2021. Um, I've been making payments, even extra payments when I can. Um, I have roughly 19.3 left on my car. I recently switched 911 centers because I wanted to work with law enforcement, and I finally had the opportunity to do so. Um, but my old center that I still have connections with and I could go back to um, is kind of tugging on me in a way um, because at my new center, I don't have room for overtime. There's not a lot of overtime because it's a smaller center compared to the center that I was at before. Um, so, so you were doing 911 kind of, before? Correct. I've been a 911 dispatcher for five five years now. So why did you change from one center to the other center? Um, I felt burnt out. I felt that maybe EMS wasn't for me, um, and I'm now experiencing, unfortunately, as bad as I wanted to do law enforcement. I wanted to do law enforcement dispatch since I started. Wait a minute, you're doing nine one one before. You're doing nine one one now. How did you think that was going to solve burnout? I don't understand. A different center, a different style of calls. Um, I'm not dealing with. I wasn't dealing with the traumatic uh, medical calls compared to now just dealing with passing those said calls along. Um, there's not as much overtime, so I wouldn't be tempted to work as much. Um, at my old center, I would pull like 14 to 16 days in a row without a break um, with roughly like anywhere six to, from six to eight hours in between shifts. Um, so, so what was the pay cut home. with you switching centers? Pay- how has that affected um, your income? Cut, the pay cut actually wasn't... Um, it, I actually got a 40 cent increase um, switching centers, um, but I have PARA, which is the Minnesota um, Law Enforcement um, Retirement, um, that they automatically take out because when you first get hired, it's either you yeah, but take your, it or your income, you not, not your hourly rate, your income is way down because you're not working nearly as many hours. Right. Correct. So, so what did you I, make a year? before and what do you make a year now um before it was i have it written down to me i apologize to you one second here here's the thing if you're Um, not going to work the extra hours at the call center because it's too much on you mentally or it's too much on your mental health fine but you gotta find a way to fill that gap because you've got this debt that you've got to pay off right so if whatever Correct. overtime hours that you were working whether it was 15 or 10 or whatever it was per week you've got to put that same effort into another job that's making you just as much money i don't want you to take a pay cut because you got to get out of this debt and it, i'm not right. saying it has so, to be at the 911 center okay what do you make and, an and that was like my what do i make? i make 31.81 an hour okay and your income and what did you and, and so you made 31.40 before Correct. Okay, and um, but you're working half as many hours. I, I'm working still an eighty-hour week or pay period, so eighty hours every two weeks. But I don't have that extra like twenty to thirty hours that I would put on myself at my old center. Right. So we got to find that elsewhere. Right. So I guess my question was, or is, I have an opportunity to go back to my old center and get that overtime and help pay off debts. Or I would pick up, like, 
I, I don't know what other type of job other than like maybe Instacart or something just because of how crazy dispatch center hours are. Yeah, look, you... But that wouldn't be as much. You've already told us that when you were doing 80 plus hours at the old center, it wasn't sustainable. And that's fine. Like, I understand. I mean, I've never done it. But when you tell me that it's stressful to your mind, I believe you. And that's fine if you don't want to work more than 80 hours at that particular 911 call center at your old one. The point is, you've got to get those hours somewhere, whether that's Instacart, that's driving Uber. I would love for you to be able to make the same amount per hour that you were making, but you got to get this debt paid off. What else have you done as a side hustle that you could do? Um, I've never honestly had a side hustle before. Um, once I became a dispatcher, that kind of just basically it. Um, I used to work in like food industry, like my very first job before anything else was like Chick-fil-A. Um, all right. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to look around for something I can do, whether it's dog sitting, Uber, uh, Instacart, I don't care, uh, what it is, but I'm gonna look for something I can do that you can make really good money at for a short period of time that you can work around your normal 40 hour schedule. And I'm going to stay where you are. Thanks. Because your need for extra hours is only $19,000 worth. Then you don't have right. a need. Then you don't have a need for extra hours. You make $50,000 a year. You can live on $50,000 a year in Minneapolis. If you don't have a $19,000 car payment, right? Right. Okay. And so what I want you to do is just temporarily for like one year, gear up, work your butt off, and keep the job that you like. Because what you're saying is I was going to hold my nose and go back to the other place in order to get out of debt. Instead, I would just stay where you are, hold my nose, and work an extra gig of some kind. Find a good hustle and grind side hustle and knock yourself out for a year and be debt-free. And then quit the side hustle and have a great life. Yeah. You're going to be free before you know it. I think in your mind, you're trying to change your whole world. You don't need to change your whole world. You just need to get a side job, work it, and pay off $20,000 of debt, and you'll be free. Before I go back to the old job that was burning you out, and you're working freaking 80 hours, I'd sell a stupid car before I did that. But I think you can just pay off the car in a year and keep it by working a side hustle. That's what I would do. And then um, then you've got your best world. You got you set your best world up. That's a good move. Justin's with us. Justin's in Atlanta. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. My wife and I have been listening to you for around five years, so thanks for all the wisdom. Thank you. What's up? So um, our question basically is, what's the best way to use stock grants from our work to pay off our mortgage early? Mm-hmm. We bought a house about a year ago. We have about... 300,000 left on the mortgage. Mm-hmm. We have nearly 16,000 worth of stock grants that that's quarterly. So, so what would we tell you to do? You've been listening five years. <laughs> I don't know the specific. <laughs> I, there's, I know you don't want me to keep it in that, in that company. So I guess the two yeah. options are sell the cash stock it out as it's vested and throw it at the mortgage. Okay. So you wouldn't put it in a mutual fund or an index fund and let it grow a little bit. Nope. You're already investing 15%, you've been, aren't you? You've been listening five years. What's baby step six? Pay off the mortgage. It's not That's invest right. extra in mutual funds. No, it would be 
to put it into a mutual fund until it got to be the amount for the write-off for the mortgage. Have you ever heard me say that in five years? (laughs) No, but I've never heard this specific question. But you've heard people say, why don't I put it into a mutual fund? Because they call every week and say that. Why don't I just put it into a mutual fund instead of paying off my mortgage Justin, that's what you want to do. That's what you wanted to do from the moment you called. No, I genuinely don't want to do either or. No. Oh, okay. Well, then let's I'm keep... either or. I just... Let's I heard keep... Dave say, depending on the timeline that you have um, a mutual That's fund. if you're saving up for something. In this case, go ahead and continue to invest your 15% into your mutual funds, into your retirement, and then we chuck anything extra to the mortgage. And in this case, you selling those vested stocks or getting out of those stocks is going to be something that you can chuck toward the mortgage. Don't put it in a, in a mutual fund. It's a baby step six move. That's exactly what it is. That's your baby step six flex. There you go, dude. This <laughs> is The Ramsey Show. Scripture of the day, Proverbs 1, 5, let the wise hear an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. B.B. King said, the beautiful thing about learning is that nobody can take it away from you. Ooh, that's good stuff. Jade Warshaw, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. Andrew is next. He's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, how's it going? Better than we deserve. What's up? <laughs> um, I am calling because uh, me and my wife, we are both 20 years old, and uh, we, we've we been doing the Ramsey plan, and we paid off all our debt and everything, and uh, now we are thinking of uh, kind of changing our jobs because now we aren't we really wanting to do something just to collect a paycheck. We want to uh, do something we enjoy more and something that's more impactful um, and just trying to, weigh the options on that because it is going to be a pay cut uh with that so very cool what are you thinking about getting into um i want to go into uh youth ministry uh at my local church and um she wants to uh she currently the preschool teacher kind of like a private kind of thing and wants to go into uh the public school setting um just as an assistant okay What's it going to take for you guys to make those transitions? Um, I guess just uh, just applying and hoping we get it. Um, so what, it what's your household to, income uh, now, and what would it be if you did this? Um, right now it's about 100 k um, and it'd be moving to between uh, a 60 and 65 Okay. All right. Well, what I would want to do is a path – that takes me somewhere rather than just down. And so um, neither one of these things sound like what you will be doing when you're 45. The number of 45-year-old youth pastors is fairly small. Okay? 
So you likely okay. would move, I mean, a normal path would be to move towards uh, associate Multiple. pastor, maybe senior pastor yeah. later. Mm-hmm. That's a fairly normal path. I mean, I've got a friend who's 67. He's a senior pastor of a major mega church in a metropolitan area, started as a youth pastor decades and decades ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want a path, a career path that um, increases my effectiveness, increases my joy, increases the scale of the people I'm helping. And if these moves take me on that path, good. If they're a step in that direction, but just I'm going to dumb down my life to have more joy when I'm 20, no. Right. Okay. I think both of okay. these things are congruent with what I'm talking about, though. In other words, I think your wife could move into this uh, public setting with the idea of become, you know, getting her degree, becoming, getting her certification, becoming a teacher, maybe even someday uh, doing some uh, tutoring, maybe even opening up her own tutoring operation, and at 50 years old owns uh, 17 of those across 14 states. I don't know. I'm making that up, okay? But it, it can start with <laughs> being the assistant teacher, right? Right. And it's all teaching. And you can start with being the youth pastor of a small congregation that doesn't pay squat and be serving the Lord, but that doesn't need to be your end game. Agreed? Agreed, yeah. So let's lay out a better end game and then move in these directions because otherwise you're running from something instead of to something. Okay. So jump online with Ken Coleman and uh, let me do this. I'm going to give both. I'm going to give you two of the assessments the career assessments that Ken developed and our, our research team developed. And uh, I want you to take those and they're going to give you some indications on what you can do, where you can go. And then I want you to lay out and say, all right, how does this end? There's an old book that's fabulous called the seven habits of highly effective people by Dr. Stephen Covey. And one of the seven habits of highly effective people, effective in ministry, effective in the classroom, effective in business, effective people is they begin with the end in mind and the end being okay like when you're my age dude i'm 63 what what are you going to be doing i'm glad i did this with my life i was a good steward of my life for the lord all right that makes sense yes sir yeah um now how uh however the only thing um we did take the uh, career assessment. We we uh, we did that this past week. Oh wow! Um, Very good. You're ahead of me. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, did it uh, solidify what Dave is telling you? Uh, yes, yes. And I mean, it seems more like uh, that's the direction we should be going. But I think we just need to, like you're saying, just have more um, a more like long game plan. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I mean, when 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 we started this business, uh, the year we started it, I made one hundred and twenty thousand the year before doing real estate, and this is nineteen ninety four. Okay, and we opened we opened shop in nineteen ninety four. Moved out of my living room into a little a uh, little tiny office, and that year I made sixty. So pretty much what you're talking about. I went from a hundred and hundred and some change down to sixty. And Sharon's like, where's the financial piece? <laughs> but 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 we were going somewhere with that. That was not, oh, we're going to be satisfied. And 
that's what God's calling us to do, and we're going to have the joy of helping people, and we're going to make half the money. No, we knew that we could help more people and more people, and, they're fine. and over the years, we've found lots of ways to help people and lots of ways to expand what we do here and the effectiveness of it, and it's been not only very satisfying, but very lucrative. Yeah, it's good. You have, a, you have to have a long-term vision. Tiffany is in Memphis. Tiffany, we're short on time. Go straight to your question. Yes. So we are in Memphis, as you said, and we're looking to make a move to Chattanooga um, next year, possibly around May. And we're wanting to have a really big down payment. Um, So we would use the profits from our home, but any extra money, should we put that on top of our mortgage payments as like our savings or put it in like a high yield savings account separately? Doesn't matter. Okay. I just wasn't sure if there was like a tax, like, you're paying less tax. I don't. You're no tax on your on sale of your here. home. You're going to have no tax on, and uh, up to half a million, up, up to a half a million dollars married filing jointly, yeah. and uh, the that's profit. That has nothing to do with the mortgage. Okay, so, yeah. and I meant interest rate. I just wasn't sure if we put more towards it. I guess it, that wouldn't matter because you're paying the interest rate anyways. Yeah, yeah. You're going to make about okay. the same interest. You're going to you're going to pay taxes on the interest on the high yield, but it's not enough money. Right. The big difference here is that you say. The, the money that you have one year from now will not be due to this decision. It will be due to how much money you put into it. Because right. you're not going to make any money okay. on it either way. Both of them are 2 or 3 4%. Okay. 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 I mean, 4% on 100000 is four grand. So if you have 100000 yeah. in there, it's because you put 100000 in there, not because of the four grand. Okay, perfect. See what I'm doing? Okay. Yep. If you're, doing, if you're doing it for 10 years, the interest rate matters a lot. Sure. If you're doing it for one year, it doesn't matter much. I mean, it's a glorified shoebox to put money into. I like it. I like the plan. So just think it through. I like paying the extra on the mortgage because it doesn't accidentally end up in a bass boat. That's what I would do. Yeah. That's what we did. That's what you did, exactly. When we got ready to move. That was your ready that was your go plan. We continued. We were making extra payments on the mortgage before and we knew we were moving and we thought, let's just keep doing that because we know it's not going to get spent on anything else. Yep. That way it, does. it gets stuck. It's a forced savings plan. That's right. You can't get your money out except by selling or refinancing. So yeah. you don't accidentally go buy a new car. Yep. You know, oops. You know, people do this sometimes. I've heard that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Randomly happens. <laughs> they Thir- were forced into it. They were forced into <laughs> it. And now they're in repossession. Yeah. Ouch. It's scary out there. It's it is. really, really scary. It really is. It's a good is. question, Tiffany. And it's, you know, here's the beauty, beautiful thing about what you're asking. You're one year away and you're actually thinking about it. This is what adults do. Well done, Tiffany. Adults devise a plan and follow it. Children do what feels good and are impulsive and YOLO their butts off. (laughs) So it's more fun to be an adult, by the way. You have more choices. Children don't have choices. They get told what to do by the adults. That puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. What's up, guys? It's Jade. Look, if you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey Baby Steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. That's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.